When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He's a true, true number one. He's that dangerous. Sleeping grab Devontae Adams. He reels it in at the 15. That's, that's all I got. No, you can't warn me. No time for distractions. Time for actions. Never absent in passion. He's the triple crown winner. That's it. Mars down there somewhere. Here's a deep shot to Jefferson, and he scorched them. That's in the lead, bro. I thrive your demise. It's my time to come home and sail to the top because that's where I belong. I'm locked in. They're playmakers, the flashy guys, clutch in the biggest moments. We're talking wide receiver rankings today as we welcome you to NFL Live. Lewis Riddick is here again. We're going to get his take on some really important things. That's coming your way. Keyshawn Johnson's really big in the big screen there. Jeremy Fowler joins us as well. Guys, later, the reason Lewis is a believer in Trey Lance and why it has to work. So you don't want to miss that. It's coming up later on in the show. <laughs> All week, we've been focusing on the top 10 players by position for the 2022 season. And it's the wide receiver's time to shine today. Our Jeremy Fowler is here with us. Asked 50 league executives, coaches, scouts, and players to rank the top 10 wideouts this season. Coming in at number one, well, that's Devontae Adams, followed by Super Bowl 56 MVP Cooper Cup. But the player with the most receptions over the last five seasons is missing from the list. That's Chargers receiver Keenan Allen. So, Key, I'll start with you since you're our resident wide receiver. Do you agree with what these rankings look like? I mean, I don't really care about the, the way they rank them because I would move them around so many different ways. But the disappointing part for me is that Debo Samuel's on there and Keenan Allen, so to speak, is not. Now, look, there's reasons for all the way NFL executives, coaches, and scouts look at certain players for certain things. Debo Samuel certainly is a playmaker, but he is not a wide receiver. I had to go back and look at Tyreek Hill over the years to really see Tyreek Hill run receiver routes. He's been breaking corners down busting their ankles and everything. Debo Samuels is a playmaker, shallow crosses, screens, things of that nature. When you look at a guy like Keenan Allen, Keenan Allen is a quarterback's dream in the red zone. And then, obviously, there's always nepotism in there, but my nephew's been hurt, and he'll come back, <laughs> and he'll be fine. Well, it's, hey, Laura, it's I'm the truth. How can you remove a guy who was offensive MVP just two seasons ago okay. because of injuries? And I understand that I get it. At the end of the year, I think both of those guys will be in the top 10 receivers in the National Football League. Yeah, so with Keenan Allen, he absolutely deserves to be in there, but it was close with DK Metcalf. After I got all the polls in, I did a tiebreaker, and I reached out to some GMs who are like, you're crazy. It's Keenan Allen. You need to put him in. But over time, the more people I talked to said, look, scoring in the league is at a premium. It's all about who can get you six points in a hurry from anywhere on the field. They said DK Metcalf does that better when he's healthy, better than just about anybody. Keenan Allen can get open easier, but not as much of a scoring threat. Not, not a guy that scares you as much as DK Metcalf. Yeah, so there's your explanation, Lou, for that one. But you're looking a little <laughs> skeptical there. Yeah, what, what do you think? Yeah, whatever. You know, you, what, what's interesting <laughs> here is, look, I, I agree with the Keenan Allen aspect of it. And look, I understand what Jeremy is saying. But, look, Keenan Allen should be on here because he's one of those guys who can score. If he was used in that way in terms of, Absolutely. In terms of volume mm. and then getting down in the red area, if they just decided to throw the football to him all the time, he would come up with the majority of the catches. The thing that's interesting to me here 
is, look, even Tyreek here at five, look, I think Tyreek has made tremendous improvement in terms of his route running since he came into the league to the point where now not only is he the fastest guy playing football, Tyreek now is one of those guys who can beat you with his route running. And when you combine that with his speed, look, as a defensive back, speed like that makes me back up. And speed like that is so unique that, look, I'm looking here, and as much as I love Cooper Cup, as much as I love Cooper Cup, if someone said, for your life, one-on-one, you got to shut down Cooper Cup or Tyreek, I'm going, can I please cover Cooper Cup? Please just right. give, let me take my chances wow. with him. See, but, That's why I think he should be higher. I, you, I, I get it on the Cooper Cup thing, Lewis. I understand that. But the beauty of Cooper Cup is he's doing it, right? If those mm. other guys on the Rams or anybody that was in their camp can do a Cooper Cup, was able to do, guess what? They'd have that roster spot. And and when you look at the one-on-one matchups, it's all about scheme. It's yeah. all about Sean McVay lining him up in certain situations and getting the best matchup and him taking advantage of it. And you and I both know when we see it, we go, okay, yeah, we see what that is. That's a little tricky. They got him open. But guess what he does in the end? He catches it. There's something being done right to be 145, 1900, and yeah. 16 touchdowns, big guy, right? Don't get me wrong. I would have paid Cooper Cup every dollar that they paid him and probably a little bit more because there's some things that really just aren't about, you know, his height, weight, and speed that he brings to the table that other guys can't on this list they as well. They just can't. So, they can't. look, I, I'm with you. And, look, these guys are all great. Yeah, because I talked to a few oh. players that said, like, he's sort of treated now like he was coming out of the draft. Like, oh, maybe he's not that fast. He's not that quick. <laughs> you get on the field with him, he is very deceptively fast. He is an elite athlete. Tyreek Hill, so one scout compared him to Steph Curry, the way he wow. spreads the field like Absolutely. the three-point shot. I thought that was fascinating. Yeah, we'll see how that looks in that Miami offense. This is a stat for Keyshawn to start the show off, get him in a real good mood. A star-wide receiver often leads to success in today's NFL. Eight of the ten receivers on the list we just saw were on teams that made the playoffs last season, so it's all about the wideouts, right, Key? How about you? That's about why they're getting paid the way they're getting paid, Laura. There you go. Hey, <laughs> we're only two days away from the Friday deadline to sign franchise tag players to a long-term extension. So, Jeremy, take us through who we're watching for potential deals. Let's begin with Cowboys tight end Dalton Schultz. Yeah, Laura, this one has a chance. Schultz would love to stay in Dallas. He really wants a deal by Friday. He's been probably a little disrespected that they haven't gotten farther in talks. I expect the Cowboys to make a last-ditch effort. It might come tomorrow. It might come Friday. And it might not even be enough. The franchise tag is just over $10 million. That's considered a bargain for a top-10 tight end like Schultz. And so I, the Cowboys, said they've talked a little bit about money in years. They just haven't gotten far enough. There's a big bridge right now. They have to gap in the final hours. Then we're going to turn the page here. Who we got? Who we got? We got Dolphins Mike Gisecki. So this one, maybe a lesser chance of getting done. You know, he knows, and from what I'm told, I've talked to somebody close to him, that if he has to play on the tag, he's going to make a killing over the middle for the Dolphins because they have Tyree Kill. They have Jalen Waddle. They can spread that field out. He might catch 100 passes this year up his market in a major way. So they've talked. I've heard mixed reviews league-wide talking to teams. They, don't, they largely don't expect him to get a deal. Small chance, uh, but we will see. Cincinnati Bengals, Jesse Bates, there's really not much optimism here. You know, I've asked around. I talked to a source that flat out said no when I asked, do you expect momentum to happen before Friday on a new deal? It it just hasn't really gone well or gone anywhere. So this is a chance where he might sit out training camp. Bengals don't even really know when he's going to be there or if he's going to play week one. They're optimistic that he'll be there to show up. $12.9 million would be the tag on him for a really good player. 
Orlando Brown. This is one where the Chiefs are sort of backed into a corner. They have made clear to him and publicly they want to get something done. They traded a lot for him last year. First round pick and more to get him. He made a Pro Bowl. Considered a top guy right now. But that market's going to be $23, $25 million a year. I mean, that money for high-end tackles is really high. So they're just going to have to come to grips with that by Friday. Are they comfortable with that kind of money? Right now, not a ton of optimism, but there's a chance here. The Chiefs, I'm told, want to get this done. Yeah, and shouldn't it be about Patrick Mahomes being comfortable, right? And that offensive line needs little to bit. make sure he's protected. All right, we got a lot more coming your way today on NFL Live. You don't want to miss it. We're talking Bears up next. With the recent addition of Nikhil Harry, should that give Bears fans any hope? Our guys weigh in on Justin Fields' prospects for year two. And later on, we'll hear from Baker Mayfield on what it's like for him to learn the Panthers' offense. But he isn't worried about the chemistry with his wide receivers. Hear why after the break. We're just getting started today on NFL Live. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. What if in 2024 you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Try Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. It's designed by real people for real conversations. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. They have over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash tackle. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash tackle. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash tackle. Rules and restrictions may apply. Here's a look at our featured event lineup this weekend and next week. We got you covered all over the place. Saturday afternoon, our next UFC Fight Night main card is on ABC, ESPN Deportes, and ESPN+. Plus. The Home Run Derby is Monday from Dodger Stadium on ESPN and ESPN2, with the first episode of The Captain premiering right after the Derby on ESPN and ESPN+. And the 30th Annual ESPYs are next Wednesday on ABC, hosted by Steph Curry. Don't miss them. Let's talk Chicago Bears, guys. They traded for Nikhil Harry yesterday, and the Patriots got a 2024 seventh-round pick in return. We'll see what a change of scenery provides for Harry, right? And, of course, it's at least someone else for Justin Fields to throw to. I word it that way because we're all just desperate for Justin Fields to get some more weapons in this Bears offense. You see the potential in Fields, but who's going to help him? Fields had the lowest completion percentage in the league when throwing to wide receivers last season. Darnell Mooney 
as the team's most productive returning receiver after posting his first 1,000-yard season. And the Bears also signed Byron Pringle this offseason. So, Jeremy, I start with you. Can you give us some more context around why the Bears traded for Harry yesterday? Well, I was told as the deal was going down that the Patriots felt like the Bears were by far the most aggressive in trying to get this done. It wasn't like there was a bidding war with a few teams. Shocker. The, exactly right. <laughs> the, you know, the Bears were clearly zoning in on this, that they wanted help. And really, the plan right is two-tiered for the Bears. This is a team in transition. They're trying to do just enough right now to be competitive in 22, knowing they're going to hit it big in 2023. They don't want to be saddled by a bunch of huge contracts. Harry's got one year left on his rookie deal at a couple million dollars. They can handle that. They didn't go out and get a big free agent receiver, even though everybody knows that they need help, because they're just getting one-year deals and trying to create a few pieces and some momentum knowing that in 2023, I was looking here, they got nearly $100 million in cap space coming to them. So this is a team that's looking for the next two to four years, not just this year. All right, so let's tell Bears fans to continue to be patient. They love hearing that, right, Lewis? Uh, yeah. <laughs> does, oh, yeah. does this do anything major for Fields as you look at what no. this roster looks like? Yep. No, no, it, no, it doesn't at all. And you know what? I'm just going to say to Bears fans, don't get mad at me. When I said, you know, when the question was asked of me a couple of weeks ago, you know, what team I thought could possibly have the worst record in the NFL. And, look, it's very conceivable it could be Chicago mm -hmm. because of the fact that, look, Justin Fields, for all intents and purposes, let's just say he's on his third offensive coordinator in his second year because he had Matt Nagy, he had Bill Lazor. They were swapping, you know, calling plays last year, changing philosophically what they wanted to be, you know, midseason in order to take advantage of Justin's capabilities and then now he has a new head coach new offensive coordinator here again in year two on top of it the offensive line isn't any better the run game will probably be very similar Darnell Mooney their number one wide receiver fantastic talent fantastic talent Byron Pringle a good number three maybe mm. unrestricted free agent from the Kansas City Chiefs they don't have the firepower and Justin is now trying to learn a new offense really get his own bearings as far as how to play the position and they're not really helping him I said this before Laura if you're Justin Fields, you're looking around going, look at what they're doing for Zach Wilson in New York. Look at what they're doing for Jalen Hurts in Philly. Look at what they're doing for Tua down in Miami. And you bring me Nikhil Harry. And that's not trying to be disrespectful to Nikhil Harry. That's just a fact. Right. It's just a fact. Yeah. I, I giggled when I saw the depth chart right there. And Nikhil Harry is already pouncing in as a starter. Look, Justin Fields, the thing that Justin Fields has to do, and you know this, is he just has to be a pro. Learn to be a pro quarterback in and out of the huddle, create third downs, limit your mistakes, learn mm -hmm. from your mistakes. That's how he will develop. And you mentioned Zach Wilson and you mentioned Tua down in Miami. Miami had a football team already intact and ready to go. They, they just needed a few other pieces to be competitive. They went out and they did that. You look at Zach Wilson, he's young, they're drafting well. But here's what I would say, having a new coach come in, in Eberflus, they don't have to hurry anything up. They just got to protect that quarterback, make sure he's healthy for the future. And much like Jeremy said, it's all about the future and the money, the draft picks, things of that nature. Because quite frankly, this roster sucks. It's just the reality of it. It's not a good roster. Well, There's no players there. Mm. I mean, think about it. They've, they've only got two or three players that could probably start for another team. Two to maybe three. And that's it. Yeah, and one of their best players wasn't there for minicamp, Robert yeah, Quinn. That's right. Point. That's right. And you know what? You run the risk, though, as you are preparing for the future. And I get it. Look, yeah. I understand that this is a long-term type of thing that they're, that they're on right now, a long-term track. But in the meantime, Justin still has to play games. Yeah. They're going to play 17 of them this year. And you know what? You just don't want the guy sitting there and all of a sudden, from a mental perspective, starting to get beat down, lose his confidence. 
who knows what could happen? Because look, he took a beating last year and he didn't have a whole lot of success. And that kind of thing plays on a young guy's mind. No, you know, it, does. It, it, it does, Lewis. It's hard. It's it, hard. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to remain patient when you're seeing your peers and you're going, man, these guys got weapons. They got protection. Look, who knows? Maybe in 2023, this is the surprise team in the NFL. The only, thing, not the, only thing, the only thing about him, though, Lewis, is he's not built like some other quarterbacks from a mental standpoint. Yeah. You know, even from the point of going what he went through at Georgia to the point of Ohio State. I kind of know him a little bit. Mm-hmm. He's not worried about getting beat up. He's not worried about a lack of weapons because he's concentrating on becoming a better quarterback. So I'm not really worried about if he gets sacked 200 times, all of a sudden he starts to see ghosts because he's just not built like that. You do hope that he can put those blinders on guys, though, because you think about a young player, no matter what, no one's totally immune to all of that. It's going to be a major piece, I think, for the coaching staff to just continue to instill confidence in in him. All right, we got a lot more coming your way here on NFL Live. We're putting Jeremy to work when we come back. He's taking us inside the top 10 quarterback ranking that left Lamar Jackson off the list. What did those around the league say about the former MVP? Some clarity coming your way on Lamar. We'll be right back. So glad to have you here on NFL Live. Let's revisit the top 10 quarterback list that we've talked about throughout this week. Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen in the top three. But it was a quarterback missing from the top 10 that caught everyone's attention. And, yeah, let's do the big reveal here. It's that guy, Lamar Jackson, the former MVP, not on the top 10 list voted on by league personnel. This is what one NFC personnel evaluator said about the Ravens QB. He said, innately competitive, driven, and mentally tougher than just about anybody. You just run into a few issues late in the year. For as much as you run him, you get worn down. Well, Jeremy Fowler is here with us, and he put together this list by yep. polling all these people. Some negativity around Lamar. He's not in the top 10 when you look at the quarterbacks in the league. Why did he just get an honorable mention? Yeah, talking to people around the league, they believe despite his greatness, some think that he lacks a little bit of poise in the pocket, particularly when you get blitzed. You saw late in the year in those three games where yeah, I think he took 13 sacks, six interceptions in that stretch. Um, I feel like he takes off the run instead of finding the open man. And then there's uh, talk a little bit about the offense. You know, is, is it are they trying to hide something or some throw that can't be made? Or is the offense limiting Lamar and his skill set, maybe not helping him graduate to a new level, whatever it is? Teams think that that holds them down late in games when you get to the playoffs, especially if you get behind, you have to pass. It's a run-first offense. Makes it tricky. Interesting. All right, so if you didn't like the list, that's the reason why. As for another quarterback, former number one NFL draft pick Jamarcus Russell went on the Pivot podcast with Ryan Clark to discuss his career and his thoughts on the Raiders. Listen to this. I'm trying to chill, relax, what we doing tomorrow, and trying to win some football games. Unfortunately, I wasn't winning, but I was dealt the bull. Man, I'm at practice, bro. These folks can't catch a reverse, bro. Six plays straight, home. But you want to go downfield and catch a 90-yard pass. I didn't feel like they were for me, bro. The guy that they got there now, they for him. They went and got a receiver that got now can catch whatever you throw at him. If you put Tom Brady or Peyton Manning on one of them teams, come on, bro. Very telling there, Lewis, is Derek Carr set up for success this year. As far as what they have surrounded him with on the perimeter, Laura, absolutely. Look, the relationship with Devontae Adams, I'm a big believer in that. I'm a big believer in chemistry. I'm a big believer in being on the same page. He got the best wide receiver in the NFL. Hunter Renfro is starting to establish himself 
as the best slot receiver in the NFL. Darren Waller is an absolute freak. The thing that concerns me when we just continuously talk about perimeter players is the offensive line for this team. They cannot run block. They cannot establish the line of scrimmage. And if this team becomes one-dimensional, it could be a problem. Let's go to Baker Mayfield. He had his intro press conference Tuesday afternoon. Discussed how he's transitioning to the Panthers. Here he is. Fortunately, it's uh, it comes from an unfortunate circumstance where I've learned uh, four different playbooks in uh, four years. So it's not like this is my my first time around having to learn something new. Obviously, the time crunch is the difference, but it's mostly about terminology, getting the new formations, the names of that down, the different names for the concepts, making it all similar for me, and really just making those comparisons and continuing to to grow in that. Key, how challenging is it learning playbooks that often? Well, it just depends on how smart you are, Laura, right? He said four and four years. I'm like, did Kevin Stefanski change his playbook from one year to the next? Because, no, I'm I'm just trying to (laughs) think about it. But I think for Baker Mayfield, the one thing that he has to do is he has to go inside that locker room and be a professional. Mm. Not worry about what went on in Cleveland, but worry about what's going on in Carolina. Get himself together, get his mind right, because he's got to win that locker room over before he can win the team over and become the starter. Yeah, that's well said. And listen, inconsistency has followed Baker Mayfield throughout his career, guys. His total QBR increased in each of his first three seasons. He was a top 10 quarterback in the NFL in 2020, but his QBR dipped to 27th in the league last season. Of course, he was dealing with injuries and a drop-off in production. Lewis, how difficult will this turnaround be for Baker? A reminder that they said earlier in the week this is an open quarterback competition with Sam Darnold, Matt Corral. Yeah, look, the turnaround could be significant. It could be significantly difficult. And why is that? Look, it's, it's one thing to learn a playbook, Laura, and say, well, look, I know what they're asking me to do. I understand what this protection is supposed to be. I understand what the formation is supposed to be. I understand what the reads are supposed to be. But with, it, with every offense, with every defense, there's nuance to these kind of things that allows you to achieve certain levels of performance. Look, if Baker's dissatisfied with winning the starting job from Sam Darnold, well, hallelujah, good for you. You beat out Sam Darnold, and if you go and you're, you know, in year two and 15, well, that's great, Baker. At least you were the starting quarterback. I would assume that that's not what we're talking about as far as the expectation for Baker Mayfield. Yeah. This was the number one pick of the draft. Mm. Okay, it's not enough to just beat out Sam Darnold. And it's not enough to just know the playbook. Right. You're, there to, you're there to win football games. As a matter of fact, I think it was Dan Orlovsky who said, if you get 2020 Baker Mayfield, this is a playoff team. He said that. He, yeah, I think he tweeted well, that out. Yeah. That's, that's a lot right there. A lot. And that's something that I just don't foresee Dan. happening. But this is what's going to be fun. <laughs> I'm not calling Dan out, but I'm <laughs> hey, listen. calling you out. Yeah, I, I love it. No, no, we, we should, right? It's an opinion, and what are we going to do I was with calling it? him out. Yeah, there you go. Good. Yeah, Own it. Go. go ahead, Jeremy. Quick note about the playbook. <laughs> Baker Mayfield does have a little familiarity with the Panthers staff. James Campen, their offensive line coach, was with Mayfield in Cleveland in 2019. So maybe like they can streamline the protections, help them with the language of the playbook a little bit. But the Panthers, GM Scott Fitter, head coach Matt Rule, spoke with Baker at length multiple times on the phone before the trade. They love that he has an edge about him, ready to come in and compete. But I was also told, hey, Sam Darnold has an edge, too, now that he's shown mm. in the last couple months. Not, not enough of an edge for them to make I, this not make I don't know. I mean, Rob Nikovich said uh, that Sam Darnold's going to be the starter. He sure did. He, ha- he has had a he good sure offseason, did. for what it's worth. I, okay. I don't know. We'll Listen, see. I hear you. Uh, Keith, you think about the weapons on this Panthers offense. DJ Moore, you got Terrace Marshall Jr. Just when you think about the wide receiver perspective, how difficult is it as a wideout to prepare for two potential quarterbacks? You know, if, if one guy was a lefty 
that would be something different because the protections are the same. The route tree is the same. You get to your spot. You know what you're supposed to do in rhythm and timing, and I think you'll be fine. I think D.J. Moore, you know, Terrence Marshall along with Robbie Anderson, they've worked with Sam Donald. Here we go again, putting Baker Mayfield as a starter. <laughs> I love it. They've worked with Sam Donald before, so body language is important. That's the sort of thing when you talk about timing and rhythm with quarterbacks and knowing off-schedule plays. It's all about the body language. In terms of running your route, if you got a 12-yard in, you run it at 12, and he drops back and he hits his back foot at 5 and let it rip. That's the only thing you got to worry about in terms of timing. That, that people put too much into it. I played the position at a high level, and I had a 1,000 quarterbacks. And trust me, I had to adjust all the time, but it didn't take long to. Yeah, well, uh, not all wide receivers are you, Key. They also have Christian McCaffrey on that offense, too, which I think as a healthy Christian McCaffrey, we could see that be a nice boost. Let's turn to the other side of this trade with the Browns, Jeremy. What is the latest on the timeline for Deshaun Watson? Yeah, well, people I spoke to believe that this could take another week or two. There'd be no decision this week. And the 27th, right around training camp, right before then, is when some people on the side of Watson or involved in the case believe that a decision from Sue L. Robinson, the independent reviewer, will make the decision. They said that she has been very thorough in this whole process. She has to write a thorough response here to all the allegations and, and all that's going on in the case. So this will take some time. This is not a flippant response that she's mm. just going to throw out there this week. And so uh, we'll see. I was told that uh, Watson remains optimistic that maybe it's not going to be a full year. Nobody knows right now because it's up to Robinson solely. Uh, but there is a feel that it's not going to be a year or two years. Like you're talking to people in Cleveland with the Browns. They're not expecting that kind of uh, blockbuster suspension, at least right now. They're hopeful. Yeah, and as they should, the NFL taking their time with this. Depending on the suspension, what are what is the Browns' contingency plan looking like right now if they don't have Watson for a period of time? Well, we need to get the depth chart for Key. He can take a look at it. Yes, but Jacoby Brissett will be, uh, will be number one right now, I was told unless there's some major shock, like if Watson's going to be out a year and a half or two years, they'll probably roll with Brissett. They don't have a lot of assets or cap space to do much. They gave up a bunch of first-round picks for Deshaun Watson. So I don't expect them to go for like a Jimmy Garoppolo or somebody like that right now. They might comb the free agent market, see what their options are, and, and take a look if something opens. But right now they got Brissett, and they got Josh Dobbs would probably be their number two. And when they signed Brissett, I'm told they looked at it as a clear bridge. And right now it's time to use that bridge. They hope it doesn't break. Hmm. All right. Well, reminder, Jacoby Brissett started five games for the Dolphins last season. He threw 225 passes. That's the third most in any of his six seasons. Yeah. Let's continue on on NFL Live. We've got more to get to. We'll revisit the top ten ranking of receivers, this time focusing on the Bills superstar, Stephon Diggs. It's obvious he's a top ten talent, but how much does he elevate his quarterback, Josh Allen? Lewis gives us that answer next on the show. We'll be right back. Here's the next UFC fight night Saturday with our featherweight main event that you see there. The prelims start at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific on ESPN and ESPN Plus, followed by the main card at 2 Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on ABC. Back to our ESPN.com list of top 10 wide receivers decided on by league executives, coaches, and scouts. You see Stephon Diggs right there coming in at number six. So one offensive coach said this about Diggs' impact on his quarterback. Quote, 
So much of Josh Allen's rise has to do with the fact that he can throw to Diggs and he can throw Diggs the ball. It makes life so much easier. Allen's emergence in the last two seasons isn't only because of Diggs, but he's been a huge help. As you see here, the Bills quarterback completed 56% of his passes with a QBR below 50 in his first two NFL seasons without Diggs. But since the All-Pro receiver arrived in Buffalo, Allen's completion percentage has jumped 10%, and he has the third highest QBR in the NFL. They really spent time connecting, too, when they got together, and that, of course, in a unique season in 2020. But, Jeremy, you put this list together. You pulled all the people. What was the bugs, buzz around Diggs when you were getting all these quotes? Yeah, well, teams love a guy that can win against man coverage one-on-one. They yeah. said Stephon Diggs might be the very best at that, or at least one of the best. The only knock I really heard on him is maybe he doesn't have the elite speed. That's probably why Tyreek Hill nudged him for that number five spot. It was close in the voting. Hill got a, a couple more extra votes to get in that spot. But uh, they love the way Diggs plays, his toughness. They pointed that Chiefs game in the playoffs. He didn't have a huge game and Gabriel Davis sort of went off. Mm-hmm. But they said watch the Chiefs and how they play Diggs and how much attention they yeah. paid to him all over the field. Well, Key, you going to come in here? Well, I was waiting for. I thought you were going to. I thought you were going to re team me, but that's okay. No, um, go on. Uh, and, and I was. And also, I was puzzled the fact that Jeremy said that the only knock was elite speed. I'm like, dude had 103 catches and 1,200 yards on 164 targets, but he can't run. That just it. It. it it's mind boggling to me mm. when people say things like that. But this is what you do with a young quarterback as you go out and you get him an elite wide receiver, whether it's through the draft or whether it's through free agency or a trade. If you look at teams that shine and they do well, they got quarterback wide receiver combinations with the best of them. It's been around for a long time and the ones that don't, they don't flourish. And I think that's the way you look at it. Brandon Bean's done a tremendous job as a general manager for the Buffalo Bills understanding in in Josh Allen's second year, they needed somebody in his third and fourth year. They didn't mind giving up what they gave up to get Stephon Diggs. And then on top of that, paying him a haul to do it. Look at what the the Jets did for Zach Wilson. I mean, look at what the Raiders have done for Carr. I mean, you start to look at those sort of things, and it makes all the sense in the world. But he can't run. But he can't run, yeah, No, no, you're right. He can't. You're right. You're right. He um, can run, just not like Tyreek Hill. <laughs> people are out here nitpicking. That's the point of the list. Go you ahead. Know, you know what's, oh, you God. Know what's, what's interesting about this is, you know, we, we tend to, or people tend to want to point to one specific reason as to why a guy gets better and improves yeah. in really the ultimate team game. And I think, look, it's dangerous when you do that. There's no doubt that Stefan Diggs is that dude. There's no doubt I'd be scared to death. I wouldn't even try to cover him. I'd be scared to death because the guy is that good getting off the line of scrimmage, getting out of, in and out of breaks, reading leverage points, all that. Stefan can do all that. But let's remember this, too. Josh Allen, from the time he got drafted in Buffalo to where he is now, has made tremendous strides as far as harnessing the accuracy of that big cannon arm that he has. And he put in a lot of work with guys like Jordan Palmer, who tutored him as far as his mechanics, tying his lower body with his upper body, his release points, following through, getting you know lots of follow-through and making sure he um, has his feet pointing at the target and, and making sure that he becomes more accurate. Let's not forget that that has gone a long way towards contributing Mm. to this kid's rise, along with having elite weaponry. 
that's the beauty of football. Yeah. It's always more than just one thing. Yeah. I want to go back to something that Jeremy brought up about how you might look at the, the Bills game against the Chiefs and say, oh, well, Gabriel Davis had a big game, and what did Stephon Diggs do? But teach people a little bit about the fact that Diggs was such a decoy in so many moments that they had to pay so much attention yeah. to him defensively. Yeah, of course. And then, then it's easy to make quick reads. Mm. It's easier to, be, to beat one guy instead of two. So, obviously, you would hope a guy like Gabe Davis could win in those situations. Right. That's exactly the effect that you're hoping Tyreek Hill has for Tua down in Miami. If Tyreek doesn't go for 110 catches and 1,400 yards, I'm sure there are going to be people saying, see, Tyreek, this is exactly why you shouldn't have <laughs> let Patrick. Right. But yeah. if Tua winds up having a 4,000-yard season and yeah. all of a sudden makes some kind of all-pro list, you know, then, then people will go, well, it's because of Tyreek being there. So you see what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, and that's exactly why these guys are getting $25 million a year, uh-huh. $28 million a year, because of the attention that they create. If yeah. you take two or three guys from the defense, changes everything. All right, final word, can't Key. run. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, Key, is, Key are you stuck on that or what? All right. There, I there, am. <laughs> you should be. I actually agree with you. There were four sets of teammates, by the way, who were both ranked among the top ten quarterbacks and wide receivers, according to Jeremy's survey, including Allen and Diggs. And you see there the others, Tom Brady and Mike Evans, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, and the defending Super Bowl champs, Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. So time to get some quick reads. Who is your favorite duo of these? Key, kick us off. It's Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. I mean, they're flawless. When you look at them together, they're on the same page for two guys that has only been together for nine months, not even a full year, was able to go off and cap off a Super Bowl, win the Triple Crown. I mean, when you talk about a guy who understands his receiver and understands his quarterback, these are two of the best in the entire league. Yeah, for me, it's Tom Brady and Mike Evans. Look, I had a chance to see these guys live a couple of times calling their games for Monday Night Football, and I'll tell you this. It's an automatic first down for Mike Evans on third down. And when they get down in the red area, you know they're going to him. I don't care if it's Jalen Rams. I don't care who's up against him. This guy is the ultimate red zone weapon because of how big he is, how good he is getting off the line, and how this guy can finish in tight quarters. I love that duo. It's probably one of the more underrated duos in the NFL currently. Yeah. I'm going to go Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. I talked to some people I trust around the league who they think Jamar Chase will be the number one receiver in the same poll next year. They ah, believe that he is going nice. to explode in year two, only get better. He's got that connection with Burrow from their LSU days. Burrow should only improve. He ranked fifth in the quarterback ranking. And so, really, there's, there should be nothing to necessarily hold them back. I mean, they have a lot of talent around them with T. Higgins and Joe Mixon. So, mm. Chase can stay fresh. And, and we'll have help around them. You mentioned the LSU days. Burrow and Chase have combined for over 3,500 yards and 34 touchdowns in their last two seasons together. Of course, LSU and with the Bengals. We got more coming your way on NFL Live. Yesterday, Lewis right here said that Trey Lance will light it up as the 49ers starting quarterback. He is a little more skeptical. Hear why next and why Lewis says it has to work. They don't have any other options. We'll be right back. <laughs> Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play.
Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Feeling like you need a marketing degree and an extra day in your week to successfully market your small business? Let Constant Contact do the heavy lifting for you. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has powerful tools that make it easy to grow your audience, engage your customers, and sell more to boost your business. Now, in just a few clicks, you can launch a marketing campaign that's tailored to your business and goals. That includes email, social, SMS, and more. So you can sell more, raise more, and fast-track your business growth. Plus, you can always count on Constant Contact's award-winning customer support for guidance along the way. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. We saw Trey at North Dakota State under center. This guy is electric. The San Francisco 49ers select Trey Lance. I want to be a leader for these guys. Do they think that Trey Lance can develop without playing? It's time for the 49ers to go all in on him. You got to go against what's safe and go for what can be big. He's just got that makeup that the great ones do. He's going to get his chance to go show that. I'm the man. Yeah, I'm the man. That's the boys. Let's remember that the 49ers traded up to the number three spot to get Trey Lance. He's working on building some of that chemistry with some of his teammates. And there were some reports out there saying that Trey Lance's arm gets fatigued easily. Well, his teammate, Brandon Ayuk, had a little fun with that info, posting this after a workout the two had together. He posted the footage and he jokingly said, only three throws from the day his arm got fatigued after that. I actually love some of the some of the talking some of these guys are doing on social media. And by the way, the arm looked pretty good there. Trey Lance threw 71 passes as a rookie last season and his career is just getting started. Lance turned 22 in May, and he'll be the youngest starting quarterback in the NFL this season. Trevor Lawrence will also be 22 when the season begins. His 23rd birthday is in October. Golly, these guys are young. I sound like an old lady. But anyway, Jeremy, what is the latest on Trey Lance? Okay, so about the arm, I've asked a few people who are in the know on this. I'm told there is no issue with his arm strength, first of all. Let's make that clear. But Mm. he did have to rest up his arm after the season because 2020, 21, he did nothing but throw. Pre-draft, you're throwing. Mm-hmm. And then he was the developmental guy behind Jimmy Garoppolo. So he really did nothing but throw for 12 months because they wanted to get him ready in practice settings and camp. And so he rested up, and then he was absolutely fine after that. So really no major issues about arm fatigue. I'm told he's been digging in on just navigating the chaos of 11-man football. Like he's been focused on the mental part of that and the reps associated with that. They believe he'll be fine and that they have a major player coming up. Yeah, look, I, I thought from the get-go that Trey coming out in the draft a year ago was the perfect match either with the Atlanta Falcons or with the San Francisco 49ers because of the similarities between the offense they run in San Francisco and then structurally, philosophically, what they did at North Dakota State. So, look, I'm still a big believer of it. I will not change my stance on that until proven otherwise. And quite honestly, given what San Francisco and Laura, we were just talking about this in the break, given what San Francisco gave up in order Mm. to move up in order to Mm -hmm. draft this young man, it would behoove them to shut down any kind of negativity that is coming out of anyone in that building surrounding the prospects of Trey Lance, because that is career career killer type of stuff. If you do that, not just for, well, really, not for Trey Lance. Trey Lance is going to get his opportunities, whether it be with right. San Francisco or someone else. But if you start doing those kind of things, you really shouldn't be in team building. You shouldn't be in front office work. You shouldn't be in coaching. This is a fantastic young talent right here and an even better kid who fits perfectly with what you want to do. And when you listen to what guys like George Kittle say about him and now yeah. Brandon Ayuk and look, and everybody who 
you talk to up in North Dakota State, he is an A-plus individual that deserves everyone's support out there in San Francisco. I picked him a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago, as my dark horse, super dark horse MVP candidate. Ooh. Okay. Well, there yeah, you go. Double well, down on it, Lou. Key? So, Lou, just hear me out before you attack me, all right? I'm not, <laughs> I, 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 I think he's going to have a phenomenal career. I think he's going to do wonders. There's no question about it. He has the most talented guy that I've seen in a very, very long time coming out of a small school. And I remember back when before they drafted him, everybody was screaming, Mac Jones, Mac Jones, Mac Jones. They never wanted to get off that. I was dealing with my daughter's situation. I came back from that, and I was hearing about Mac Jones, and I said, they're not drafting Mac Jones. They're getting Trey Lance. And they're like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. That being said, I would like to see him throwing with Debo Samuel and mm-hmm. not Brandon Ayuk. Hmm. And the reason that I think he, he may struggle a little bit mm-hmm. is because that isn't settled yet. They're, they're still having issues convincing Debo Samuel he belongs in San Francisco. Yeah. Now, what if Debo Samuel decides that he wants to play bold and sit out? How is that helping the development of Trey Lance when your top receiver isn't there. Yeah, Kittle's there, and Brandon Ayuk is there, and Brandon Ayuk has struggled in the National Football League on a consistent basis. So that's why I pause it a little bit, Mm -hmm. and I say to myself, I don't know because of that. I just don't know. Jimmy Garoppolo had the guy in the lineup, and look what he looked like. Now imagine not having him in the lineup and asking a young player like Trey Lance to take you to the promised land. Yeah, there's no doubt you want. Now you can get me. Now you can no, attack no, you me. You know what? I, I, I'm Bring not, it on. I'm not going to attack you because I agree with you 100%. <laughs> you want all of that weaponry around him. You want everything in the toolkit that is supposed to be there to be available to him so he can then go out there and feel as comfortable as possible. And, look, that's going to be on 49ers management and Debo seeing if they can come together and find some kind of resolution to this contract stalemate because it's not – you're right. It would do nothing but hurt him. I'm just saying this, though. I think that the kid – You just want to be careful to make sure that there isn't any kind of negativity seeping out of any of the corners in their facility concerning whether or not they should have drafted him or they should have drafted Mac Jones. Because from my intel, look, there were people there who wanted Mac Jones. Right. There were people there who who still think, you know what, let's just see how this all plays it's what you know plays out here. It was not clear all no, the way exactly, through. Exactly, exactly. And mm-hmm. key, I'm not I'm not saying that that's not who that Trey wasn't the guy who some people wanted all along. No, I'm just no, telling, no, no, I'm, I'm saying, just telling no, you there's just some people who wanted Mac. There's no, some people who wanted that. him instead. There there's always and you've been in these rooms, you've been in these rooms uh and you've seen where it's torn between yeah. coaches and other front yeah. office people and the players. I'm just saying Based on what Shanahan likes to do, yep. that ain't it. Yep. Mac Jones is cool. He did a good job for the Patriots. He fit the Patriots. He does not fit what San Francisco wants to do. Well, reality is we all knew about the reports that were projecting Mac Jones mm-hmm. to that number three spot when the 49ers made that big trade. So it's no doubt there was some conflict there. But yep. now to your point, Lewis, they've got to make this work for Trey Lance. You guys are mentioning Debo Samuel, and I want to get to that because Debo Samuel is ninth on the list of top wide receivers. And an NFL personnel director said this about him, quote, as a pure wide receiver, I'm not sure where to put him. As an offensive skill player, he's elite and belongs there. So, Jeremy, what is going on, first of all, 
Hall in San Francisco with Debo. We're dancing around that question a little bit. Clear some of that up for us. Yeah, so closer to training camp or shortly after training camp, the 49ers are hoping to get something done with Debo Samuel, but they're pretty set on keeping him. You heard John Lynch. He said it'd be a fool to trade a guy like that. So there's really no buzz league-wide that a trade is going to go down. They have to do something. Here's the problem. They don't have a ton of cap space. They got Nick Bosa they got to pay here pretty mm. soon. Premium mm -hmm. position. They got Debo mm. Samuel. And they got Jimmy Garoppolo on the books for $24 million. So if they could trade him, it gives them a lot of flexibility to try to get this deal, that deal done. But there's no real feeling league-wide that Samuel's going to be playing in another uniform. They just have to work something out. 49ers know they can't play him on the fourth year of a mid-round rookie contract. It's just not going to fly based on his production. Yeah, they've got to figure out how to get something done. And look, does Debo Samuel belong on the list? I don't think he does as a receiver. And much like I would have said this five years ago about Tyreek Hill, he did not belong on the list as a receiver. But Tyreek Hill eventually fine-tuned his route running, his skill set, doing those sort of things makes me now look at Tyreek Hill totally different. And I think three, four, five years from now, I'll feel the same way about Debo Samuel. He is an amazing playmaker. There's no question about it. But is he really breaking somebody down on a double post move, on a shake route, on a sluggo? No, he isn't doing those sort of things. So to slide him as a number nine receiver when you can put a guy like Keenan Allen in that spot, mm -hmm. you know, it's not saying that Debo Samuel yeah. isn't valuable. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying as a receiver, it's very difficult. See, that, that's, what, that's what the danger is when it comes to these kind of lists and you're talking about players that are hybrid specialists like Debo is. And I can tell you this, there's something that a list like that will never be able to reflect in terms of his importance and his value to this team. When the head coach in San Francisco tells you face-to-face, -face, we go as Debo goes, he sets the tone. Yeah. Not the quarterback, mm. not the safety, not a corner, not Nick Bosa. No, Debo sets it. That's why he leads them out the tunnel. Trent Williams is following Debo. Debo's the one who's dancing and flexing and getting everybody going. Exactly. <laughs> you don't see any other team like that. And it's not just right. from a flash and confidence standpoint. It's from a toughness standpoint. That yeah. dude right there. You don't want get that, that man his he's always, money. He's always been tough, and he does deserve to get paid. Guys, we got yeah. time for one more thing before we go. You, you mentioned some dancing. How about Dak Prescott teaching uh -oh. some kids, a man of the people, out there teaching his patented workout there. Look at those hips. Do it. Hey, 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 Lou, can you, you do, do that? <laughs> Come think, on. Come on, I Lou. Think I, I think I might. Are you do doing it? it? I'll do it. I'll do oh, it. You got to be able wait, to wait, wait. Oh, let's hip. go, Lou. Wait, make sure the camera gets you. Get it. I got to go. Well, I don't know. Let me, let me see. Let me see. A little faster, Lou. A little bit faster, Lou. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to throw though. my back out? How about the back leg? Mm. No, yeah, don't I break don't nothing. My, I don't have my football high and tight. Ball high. There you <laughs> go. Keep it up high. Lou, you won. Look at what, you know what? I, I actually think I'm doing that pretty good, to be honest with you. Get Lewis back in here. Look at go him. All day. Let's go, Lou. Your up. hips don't lie. Ball we'll up. see you tomorrow on NFL Live. <laughs> <laughs>